God is not opposed to wealth, but here's what he is opposed to, and we're going to learn this this morning, the unwise use of wealth. It's not wrong to, to have wealth, but it is wrong to have wealth just for the sake of having it. When we give, we can boldly proclaim that the almighty dollar is not number one in our life, but God is number one in our life. There's nothing wrong with God's plan and ideas and instructions on wealth. It's our implementation of it or lack thereof. So we need to look at ourselves and say, God, I want you to be number one in my life. I want to hold your teaching. I want to be wise with my wealth. How many of you, like me, hate to wait? Raise your hands up. Hate to wait. Well, then you're in the right place today, because today we're going to talk about how to develop patience. If you haven't already, turn your Bibles to James chapter 5. We are near the very end of our journey, verse by verse, through the book of James. We uh, will finish up next week, and then we'll have a special message for Christmas Sunday. And uh, we've been learning how faith works and all these different things, how to apply them to our Christian life. Today we're talking about how to develop patience. We're going to begin in James chapter 5, verse 7 through 12. As you're turning there this morning, uh, how many guys would like to hear some exciting news this morning? Would you be interested in some exciting news? Okay. I'm going to give you some really exciting news, but you're going to have to wait a little bit. It's going to come a little later in the message. I'm doing everything I can today to help us to develop patience. Because learning to wait is a hard lesson in life to learn, to be patient. And I think it's an area that, if we're honest, we can all improve in this area of patience. I will be the first to tell you that this is an area God has had to work a lot on me in my life uh, to be patient. Uh, I'm not a kind of person that likes to sit still. I'm a go-getter. I like to make things happen. And I've had to let God work a lot on me in the area of patience. And as I was studying this this week and about how to develop patience, I thought, you know, I think I've come a long way. I think I'm doing pretty good in this area. At least I thought I was. And I happened to notice my wife uh, has a, her prayer list, a prayer journal. And I happened to see my name in the prayer journal and, and my kids and some of you in our church and things she's praying for. And, I, and this, is no, this is the truth. Under my name, it said she was praying this for Doug, for wisdom, leadership, and patience. And I read that and I said, hey, I thought I've been doing a lot better, you know, in the area of patience. She said, oh, honey, you're doing a lot better, but you still have a ways to go. So this is something we, we all need. You know, all of us spend a great percentage of our lives waiting, don't we? I remember when I was a kid, I couldn't wait to go to school. And then I remember when I got in school, I couldn't wait to get out of school. And then I couldn't wait to get married. And then I couldn't wait to have kids. And when they were younger, I couldn't wait for them to get grown and get out of the house. Now that I've got one off at college, I can't wait till he comes home so we can see him again. We spend so much of our life waiting and having to be patient. There's a lot of things that test our patience. Freeways test our patience. Supermarket lines, especially in the Christmas season. Uh, waiting at the doctor's office. People test our patience. And if you live in this area uh, of Denver, you know what tests our patience around here? Trains. <laughs> Trains test our patience. <laughs> 
trains. But we got to remember, they were here before we were, so I guess we can't complain too much. We don't like to be delayed. We hate to wait. We want things, and we want them now. You know, one of the places I hate to wait is at restaurants. You know, I, I figured out there's about six times that we wait at a restaurant. We, we wait to be seated. We wait to get a menu. We wait for them to take our drink order. Then we wait for our drinks. And then we got to wait for the order. Then we wait for the meal. And then we got to wait for the bill. And they have the audacity to call them waiters. <laughs> We're the waiters. We're the ones that's the waiters. You know, it's Christmas. We're right in the middle of the Christmas season. And I got to tell you, I have a hard time being patient when it comes to Christmas gifts. Not getting them, but giving them. I get, I get a Christmas gift. I buy it for my kids or my wife, and I just cannot wait to give it to them for them to open I've gotten to the point where I have to wait to just a few days before Christmas to get the gift and wrap it because I just can't stand it. I'm, I'm giving Shelly hints and everything. She's like, I don't want to know. Patience. Waiting is difficult. So today we're going to talk about how to develop patience. Well, when should we have patience? Why should we have patience? And how can we have patience? And so we're going to look at verses 7 through 12 today. Today. And I don't want to read this whole passage in its entirety so we can get the context and then we're going to unpack it this morning. James chapter 5 verse 7. James says, help me out church, therefore be what? Patient. Everybody say patient. Therefore be patient brethren until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also, we need to be patient Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. The Lord's coming back. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure or who are patient. You've heard of the perseverance and the patience of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. You know, in the Bible, you find the word wait 160 times. That's a lot of waiting. God says, wait, wait, be patient. We find six of those 160 right here in this passage. James says to, to wait or be patient or to per persevere. And, and James gives us, um, some examples to illustrate the when, why, and the how to be patient. So I hope you'll take some notes this morning if you know that you can improve in this area of your life, and I think we all can. First question that James answers is this, when should I be patient? Now we need to be patient all the time, but there's three specific times that James mentions when we should be patient. We should be patient, first of all, when circumstances are uncontrollable. We have to be patient when circumstances are uncontrollable. A lot of times in our life, there are things that happen that are uncontrollable. They're out of our control. And in verse 7, James uses a farmer as an example of someone who has to be patient and deals with circumstances that are uncontrollable. He says in verse 7, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer has to wait for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it till he receives the early and the latter rain. You know, if you, if you are not a patient person... Don't go into farming because it takes a lot of patience to be a farmer. Crops don't grow overnight. And a major part of farming is being patient. You've got to wait to till the ground. You've got to wait to plant the seed. You've got to wait for the harvest to come. But, but more importantly than that, there are many uncontrollable factors for a farmer. He's got to deal with, with the weather that can't, he, he is out of his control. You know, the rain and the heat and the wind. And it takes a lot of faith and patience to be a farmer. 
And even when we know something is uncontrollable, we still sometimes try to control it. You know how? We worry, don't we? When something's uncontrollable, we think about it. We worry about it. It's been said to worry about something that you can change is silly. Just change it. To worry about something you can't change is useless. It's, it's uncontrollable. It's out of your control. Like the farmer, there's a lot of things he's got to be patient that are out of his control. You know, patience is something we've tried to teach our kids growing up. And then there are many life lessons and opportunities to teach your kids patience. Uh, I remember this time last year, Caleb was a senior here at Prairie View High School. And he was wanting to go off to college and play baseball. And we had several colleges we were talking to. And we kept telling Caleb, we just got to be patient. There will be an offer. The right opportunity will come about. We just got to wait. It's out of our control. We're just praying about it. It's in God's control. And we got to be patient. My daughter, she's 17, she's finishing up her senior year and, and, and getting ready to graduate and, and uh, she wants her first car. She's, she's got her permit and in January she's going to get her full-fledged license and we've been praying, Lord come quickly, a lot at our house. Not, not, not because she's a bad driver, but I've seen how some of you guys drive on the road. So I'm a little concerned and, and I've been, we've been looking for her, her first car. You know, and, and uh, yesterday we were at a stoplight. She's like, Dad, that one looks really good. It was a Lexus. And I'm like, no, I, that, not getting a Lexus, you know. You're getting like a 10, 12-year-old car that barely runs, you know, just uh, your first car. And uh, so we've been telling her, we've got to be patient. You know, we're, we're going to look and do what we can do, but it's out of our control. We've got to wait for the right one to come along. And, and she's been doing really good driving. Um, she's been doing good, and, and she, she struggled parking. You know, uh, a lot of times she'll have to... You know, pull in, pull out, pull in, pull out to get it between the lines. A lot of you guys are like that too. And the other day, she had a really good driving experience. We went to eat. She drove us there, did really good all the way there, pulled right into the parking spot in between two cars. We got out. We're looking at them. We're like, yeah, you did great. We were all celebrating it. We go out of the restaurant. She wants to drive home. We're going to turn left onto Tower Road. There's a center median, you know, with a bunch of plants in it. Instead of going out and around to turn left, she just turns left. And she's going down the wrong lane with a center median. We're all like, no! And she's like, oh man, I was doing so good. I don't know what happened. We had to show a lot of patience with her. And then true story. About two days later, we're watching television, and, and our daughter has some health challenges. And uh, she has fibromyalgia. And they put her on this new medication. And you know how they'll show the medication on television? They said, now, uh, this can cause this and this. And they said, you shouldn't operate a motor vehicle while on this medication. And we said, we have a testimony to send you. Of course, Missy was like, see, that was the problem. We were like, that's right, honey. So we, we've had to be very patient and learn, learn patience. There's some things that are out of our control. Well, what are you waiting on in your life right now that is out of your control? It's uncontrollable. Maybe you're trying to sell a house. You've done all you can do, but now it's out of your control. Uh, maybe you're waiting on a job. You're looking for a job. and You've done all you can do, but it's out of your control. You just got to wait for an offer. Maybe it's a health challenge. And, uh, maybe, like some people in our church, you're, you're wanting to have a baby. You're doing everything you can do, but it's, it's in God's hands. It's out of your control. You can't make yourself have a baby. When do we need to be patient? When circumstances are uncontrollable. Here's another time James tells us when we need to be patient. We need to be patient when people are unchangeable. You deal with anybody in your life that needs to change, but uh, they don't want to change. 
Unchangeable. Look at verse 10. James says, My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Now, why does James use the prophets as an example of patience? The Old Testament prophets were the spokesmen and, and women for God. And so when God's people would get out of line and they get away from God's word and they would disobey God, God would speak to the prophets and send the prophets to speak to the people to try to get them to change. But have you noticed that people are resistant to change? People don't like to change. And so when you're dealing with someone who's unchangeable and they're resistant to change like the prophets did, you've got to be patient with unchangeable people that don't want to change. And the prophets were often misunderstood and criticized and they weren't always popular. And it, and it was discouraging to the prophets that people didn't want to change, get back in line with God's word, so they had to be patient. You have anyone like that in your life that just refuses to change? Now, don't point to them in the room. But maybe it's somebody in your family. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe it's a neighbor. Somebody that just drives you crazy because they're doing something or not doing something they should be doing and, and you've been trying to get them to change. They only see things their way. It's their way or the highway. You know, they may never change. So what do you do with unchangeable people? You got to have a lot of patience. You got to show patience. It's interesting, this word patience that we see in this passage here in verse 10 and other places, it comes from the Greek word makrothemia. It comes from the two words macro, which means long, themia, which means uh, thermometer. It's where we get our word thermometer or heat. What's James saying in this patience? That it takes a, we got to be patient with people, that it takes a long time for us to get hot and to lose our cool, that we don't blow up. We, we have to have a long fuse with some people that don't want to change. And if you and I are going to be a success with working with people, whether it's people in our family, our spouse, our kids, our teenagers, people at work, our neighbors, we've got to be patient to be a success with people. We've got to show long suffering. We've got to have a long fuse with some people, don't we? You know, the love chapter is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and it describes love in many ways. And you know the first way that it describes love? It says love is patient. Love is patient. Love is kind. Galatians talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is patience, love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering. That's what James is talking about. Love has a long fuse. So when should we be patient? When circumstances are uncontrollable. And when people are unchangeable, there's another time when we need to be patient. It's when problems are unexplainable. You have anything going on in your life that you just don't get? It just doesn't make sense. You're asking God why? James addresses this. We've got to be patient when problems are unexplainable. And he gives us a classic example of a classic person in the Bible. If you want to look at a person who needed patience, look no further than a man named Job. And James said, in verse 11, indeed, we count them blessed to endure. You've heard of the perseverance of who, church? Job, and seen the end intended by the Lord. You know, Job played in the Super Bowl of suffering, and he won. He had to be patient. Let me just tell you, if you, if you don't know who Job is, you can read his whole story in the book of Job in the Old Testament. He was one of the wealthiest men in the Bible. He had everything going his way. He was a very committed believer. And then one day, in two short days, he lost everything. Job lost his family, he lost his friends, he lost his finances. Job suffered physically, socially, materially, mentally. He, his children were murdered, he, he was bankrupt, he got a painful, incurable disease. I mean, you think you've had a rough week. You think you've had a tough day. 
Read Job's story sometime. And then his wife, who was one of the only ones left in his life, tried to encourage Job when he was going through all these difficulties. And she came to him and said, you know, Job, I got an idea. You should just curse God and die. She was a real support system to Job. Real encouragement. And you know, I thought about this. You know what's crazy? God allowed Satan to take everything from Job except his nagging wife. <laughs> Think about it. Poor Job. Uh, Job's probably like, why couldn't you take my nagging wife and left me everything else? I mean, Job had to be patient. And the worst part was there was no apparent explanation or reason why Job was going through all the things he was going through. It was unexplainable to Job. Now, we read his whole story and we read the backstory in the Bible. But when Job was going through it, he had no clue. He didn't know why God allowed these things to happen in his life. He had no idea. It was unexplainable. I mean, if anyone in the Bible ever had a right to say, why me? It was certainly Job. And yet for 37 chapters, God doesn't tell Job why. It was unexplainable. But what encourages us and challenges us about Job's story, about patience, is that Job never gave up. Job persevered. He hung in there. He didn't throw in the towel. He refused to get up, give up. He was patient, even when he had problems in his life that were unexplainable. And I believe his story also lets us know that it reminds us, have you learned this in your life? Life is not always fair. Life is not always fair. If you've experienced that, say yes. I know growing up, our kids sometimes would say, that's not fair. And we'd say, life's not fair. You better prepare them now. And sometimes, like Job, we ask why. Sometimes you guys ask some, me or people on our leadership team, you know, why am I going through this problem in my life? Why has a God allowed this to happen? I wish I could give you the answer, but sometimes I just have to say, I don't know. I believe there are some things that God allows to come into our life, like Job, that we just won't know this side of heaven. They're unexplainable. And that's why we have to develop patience. And maybe this morning you can relate to Job. Are, are you dealing with something in your life right now that you'd say is unexplainable? Maybe you feel like Job. Why me? Why me? We have to be patient. When circumstances are uncontrollable, when people are unchangeable, and when problems are unexplainable. Let's answer another question. James answers this question for us. Why should I be patient? Why, why, why is it important that we learn to develop patience? James gives us three reasons. First of all, we should be patient because God is in control. You believe that, church? We should be patient because God is in control. Look at verse 8. James says, you also be patient. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. In other words, it's going to happen sooner than you think. Three times in verses 7 through 9, James says, the Lord's coming back. The Lord's coming back. One day Jesus is coming back. And it's the ultimate proof that God is in control of everything. You see, history is really his story. Christ's story. And, and everything in history, it's moving toward a climax. Everything is on schedule. God has a plan. God has a purpose. And one day Jesus will return. You know, right now we're in the middle of the Christmas season and we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ and the first time that he came to this earth as a baby in a manger that grew to be a man that at 33 years of age was crucified 
and died for us and was buried and rose again. But you know what I think is for Christians, what Christmas ought to do is not only should it remind us of his first coming, but it ought to remind us he's coming again. And the next time he comes, he's not coming as a little infant baby in a manger. He's coming on a white horse. He's going to be king of kings and lord of lords, and he's going to rule and reign, and he is going to be in charge. Amen? He is going to be in absolute control. And he's going to make all things right. And he's going to judge righteously. And that's why James brings that up in this passage about patience. The Lord is coming back. Hang in there. Don't give up. And although a situation may be out of your control, nothing is beyond God's control. And God's purpose for your life is bigger than any problem in your life you might be facing right now. With your family, with your finances, with your future, with your friends. So James says, hang in there. Be patient. God's timing is perfect. God is never early. God is never late. He's always right on time. Why should I be patient? Because God is in control. Here's another reason why we should be patient. Because God rewards patience. That's great news this morning. God has a reward for those who exhibit patience. Look at the first part of verse 11. James says, indeed, we count them. What's the word? Blessed. Some of your Bibles might even say happy. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure, who are patient. God rewards patience. It pays to be patient. We're blessed. This word blessed can also mean happy. You look at Job's life. Job had lost everything, but because he was patient and he never gave up on God, the second half of Job's life, God doubled everything. He doubled. He rewarded him. And he gave him twice as much back as he lost. And there's all kinds of rewards for being patient. That God, How God rewards patience. You know, you can hold your place there in chapter 5. But remember a couple of months ago when we started in September the book of James. Here we have this week and next week and we finish James. And James is ending just like he started about patience. And let me remind you the reward of patience that he talked about in James chapter 1 verse 2. He said, my brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Problems in your life. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. But let patience have its perfect work. Why? Because there's a reward that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. There's a reward for being patient. I think there's, there's rewards now and there's rewards in the future. How, how, what are some of the rewards that we experience now for being patient? How does God reward us? Well, I think one way he rewards us is it builds character. Having to be patient and wait builds character. And character is a good thing. Amen? You know, what, you know what else patience does? You know another reward of being patient? I've learned this in my life. It helps me to avoid mistakes. You know, I have to make a lot of decisions. Shelly and I together for our family. We want to make the right decisions. I have to make a lot of decisions as the pastor of this church with our leadership team. And I never make a decision alone. We talk about stuff. We pray about stuff. And then we make a decision. I, I can't remember a time that I've looked back and I was patient and regretted waiting. But I can think of times in my life where I too quickly made a decision. I wasn't patient and I made a mistake. One of the rewards of being patient is that you avoid mistakes. Another reward of being patient is it helps you to reach your goals in a patient, persistent manner. Another reward of being patient is you're honored by other people. We, don't we respect patient people? We honor them, respect them for their character and their patience. And you know what? Here's one of the greatest rewards of being patient. You'll have happier, healthier relationships. You want to have a happier, healthier relationship in your marriage? Be more patient. You want to have a happier, happier healthier relationship with your kids, especially if they're teenagers? 
be more patient. You want to have a happier, healthier relationship with your boss, with your coworkers, with your neighbors? Be more patient. There's rewards. And not only are there rewards right now, but there are rewards in the future, eternal rewards in heaven waiting for us. Jesus said this way in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, we put on the screen. Jesus said, God blesses you when, when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sort of evil things against you because you're my followers. Be what? Happy about it. Be very glad. How can we be happy and glad when people mistreat us? For a great, say it church, reward awaits you in heaven. And remember the ancient prophets who were persecuted in the same way. You got to be patient. You know, one of the strongest desires that we have in our flesh is to re retaliate and get even when someone has done us wrong. To, to get back at them and, and, and get revenge. When God says, no, be patient. I'll, I'll reward patience. I, I, I experienced this firsthand. Um, I, I don't know why I did this. It, it was a big mistake. Um, Thanksgiving, we got done with Thanksgiving meal. We we're kind of hanging around, you know. I watched the football game and all that. And, and then I decided to take my daughter and go venture out to the Prairie Center on Thanksgiving night. Bad decision. We went, went, went to Dick's Sporting Goods. That wasn't too bad. We went into Michael's. That wasn't too bad. And we saw all these people just going into to Target. Bad decision. So we go. You know, they call it Black Friday. That, well, I don't know why we call it that. Now it's Black Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's like all weekend. So we, we didn't even need anything in there. But we just, you know, we had to see what was going on. And we walk in the door. I mean, there's barricades everywhere. There are people, filled, carts filled up, all these big screen TVs. Nobody can see. I about got ran over like three times by three people. I mean, I know I'm small and I'm hard to see. And I, I mean, this one guy just about plowed me over. And I was like, hey. And I, I wanted to just say something like, dude, what is your problem? But I was like, no. God rewards patience. God, you get them later. Come on. <laughs> hey, I might be a pastor, but I'm human. God, uh, God rewards patience. God is in control. That's why we need to be patient. Here's another reason why we need to be patient. Because God is working things out behind the scenes. God's working things out. Look at the second part of verse 11. James says, you've heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord. We're able now to read the whole book of Job and know what God was doing behind the scenes. Job didn't know, but we know now that God was working behind the scenes, that the Lord is very compassionate and he was very merciful to Job. You know, I think what happens a lot of times in our life when, when a trial or a difficulty or a problem comes into our life that challenges us to develop patience, what we do a lot of times is like the sprint runner, who we call it jumping the gun. You know, a sprint runner will, will, will jump the gun and he'll, he'll go before anyone else. Or, or in football, we call it jumping off sides. You know, Peyton Manning is great at drawing the other team off sides and they, they get a penalty, you know, for it. And, and now if you're on his team and you jump off sides, you're in big trouble. He gets upset about that. And I think, you know, and he gets frustrated. And I think sometimes God probably gets frustrated with us because we're not being patient enough and waiting on the Lord and we jump off sides and we're penalized for it. We miss the reward. We miss the blessing. We, 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 try, we try to get ahead of God and jump the gun. We've probably all done that in our lives at times, haven't we? We didn't wait and understand that God is working behind the scenes. I don't need to help him out. I don't need to get ahead of him. Get it this way in your notes. I've said this before. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials in your life. Sometimes God delays, but it's, it's not a denial. It's just a delay. 
God's wanting you to be patient, be wait, because God knows what's going to happen next week and next month and next year. He's working behind the scenes, and we just need to wait. We need to wait on the Lord and be patient. Heard about a guy who walked up to his friend. His friend was pacing around. He was so frustrated. He said, hey, man, what's wrong? He said, I'm in a hurry, and God isn't. You ever felt that way in your life? And we've we got to be patient. No, God is in control, and he's working behind the scenes, and he knows what he's doing. We have to learn. We need to learn the difference between no and not yet. Don't we teach that to our kids? We say, not yet. There's a difference between no and not yet. And sometimes God says to us, not yet. I still have some work to do behind the scenes. And while we're waiting, we have the assurance of God's word that God is working behind the scenes on our situation, our problem, often in ways that we just can't see. You think about the farmer that James talks about, the farmer. We need to have patience like a farmer. A farmer, while they're waiting for the crop, God's providing the conditions behind the scenes to cause the seeds to sprout and the harvest to come. You know, there's a couple of verses in the Bible we love to quote whenever we have to be patient. And, and I want to point out a couple of words to, that remind us that God is working behind the scenes. We need to be patient. Romans 8.28 says, and we know, we know this, that God causes everything to what? Work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God is working behind the scenes. Philippians 2.13 says, for God is working in you. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. You know, I found a lot of times in my life, not only is God working behind the scenes and working in circumstances, but you know where He's doing most of His work? In me. To build my faith, to build my character, to, de to build my dependence and reliance upon Him. Sometimes, you know, I think we prolong things in our life because we're not patient to allow God to work in and through our life during difficult times. So while I'm waiting... I need to know that God is working. And I don't know what problem you're facing. I'm sure there are many of you that have something in your life right now. God is speaking to you right now. You go, man, I can relate to this. I don't know what's going on in your life, what problem you're facing, but I can tell you this on the assurance of God's word. God is working behind the scenes. You believe that, church? He is. He is. Trust him. Wait on him. He knows what he's doing. He's got everything in control. So why do we need to be patient? Because God is in control. Because God rewards patience. Because God is working behind the scenes. So, so what am I supposed to do? While I'm waiting on God, am I supposed to just sit on my hands, you know, and watch reruns? I mean, what, what do I do while I'm waiting? There are some things that God wants us to do while we're waiting. Waiting doesn't mean you don't do anything. So the third question James tells us answers, how can I be patient? What do I need to do while I'm being patient? Well, like the farmer, first of all, we need to wait expectantly. We need to wait expectantly. You know, verse 7 is about the farmer. What, what does a farmer do while he's waiting? Does he do nothing? No, he prepares. He, he waits in expectation of the harvest to come. He gets his equipment ready. He makes sure it's a good working order. He, he gets his barn ready. For the, the wheat to come in or the, the hay or he gets his silo ready for the grain. He, he lines up buyers to buy whatever harvest there's going to be that year to sell. He, he waits, but he waits expectantly that it's going to come. I love this verse in Psalm 130 verse 5. Some of you, you need to claim this verse this morning. Because you're going through something in your life right now that is challenging your patience. It's testing your patience. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 130 verse 5. I am counting on you, Lord. Yes, I am counting on him. That's somebody that's waiting expectantly. 
They're not just waiting and doing nothing. They're waiting and they're counting on the Lord. Are you counting on the Lord as you're waiting? Are you believing and expecting that in his time and in his will, he, he's going to answer and work things out? What, what have you been waiting for God to do? That you need to wait more expectantly, counting on the Lord, maybe to transform your marriage. How are you waiting expectantly that God's going to do that? How are you waiting expectantly for God to solve that financial need in your life? How are you waiting expectantly for God to heal that health problem? How are you waiting expectantly for God to heal a hurt that you've experienced in your life? How are you waiting expectantly for God to reach that family member or friend that doesn't know Christ? Do you really expect him to do it? When we wait, we need to wait with expectation. And what are you doing now? To get ready for it when God answers. You see, preparation demonstrates expectation. Preparation demonstrates expectation. That, that I'm waiting on this, I'm trusting the Lord, and I'm expecting a harvest and an answer. You know, when we uh, stepped out in faith and we planted Orchard Church nine years ago. And we moved into Prairie View High School in 2007, first Sunday. There was about 70 people right down here. We roped everything else off. And then as we begin to grow and God began to bring people to a saving knowledge of him and people got baptized and people got discipled and the, this place began to fill up and we got to the point where we said, man, one service isn't enough to accommodate all the people that God is reaching. And we, we started a second service and then we had to start a third service. And, and, and then people began to start asking the question, well, is Orchard Church ever going to get a place of its own? Are they ever going to get land, ever going to buy a building? And we've always said from day one, you know, if God wants us to have a place of our own, God will do it in his timing. We are not going to get one day ahead of him. We didn't come here to build a building. We came here to build a church. And that's people. And we said if God wants us to have a place, and we believed that someday he would. We didn't know how it would be, happen, when it would happen. But you know what? Some of you don't know is that for the last nine years, we've been praying and waiting on the Lord and his timing and saying, you know what, God, you'll let us know. and We'll just keep doing ministry until the time is right. But we didn't just wait. We waited expectantly. And I made a decision on day one of Orchard Church to operate on about 70, 80 percent of the offerings and be able to put about 20 to 30 percent away every year. Because I believe one day God would give us an opportunity to maybe have a place of our own. And we wanted to be expecting that and be ready to take advantage of the opportunity when it came. Are you guys ready for the good news? God answered the prayer. We now own 38 acres of land right next door as of Thursday. Can we praise God for that? We've got a picture. If we could put that up there. Uh, this is the land. We own all of that a piece of property there directly west of the school. We closed on the property. Uh, that's me with the uh, owner. He's owned it for the last nine years, Craig Stone. Uh, those papers in my hand are the warranty deed that says Orchard Church now owns all that property. So can we praise God for that this morning? That, that's, that's good news worth waiting on, don't you think? But I think God taught us a lesson in that that fits what we're talking about today. We've been waiting on the Lord and waiting on his timing, but we've been doing it with expectation. And, 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 and when God gave us the opportunity, we were able to take advantage of it. So while we're waiting, we've been preparing. And now we've got to wait some more, church. I wish we could go out there. I wish God would just drop a building out of the sky, you know, and we'd show up next Sunday. And ah, that doesn't quite work that way. Now we got to wait. we got to go through the zoning and stuff with the city, and, and that's going to be a, a 9 to 12-month process, so we'll be praying for that. We're gonna be, but while we're doing that, we're going to be preparing. 
We're going to be getting the ideas for the building. We're going to get a survey out to you guys soon, uh, to ask you questions to help us as we prepare. And uh, it's, it's going to be an exciting time, but we're going to still have to be patient. But while we're waiting, we wait expectantly. So how can I be patient? By waiting expectantly. Here's another way we can be patient. How can I be patient? Wait quietly. We need to wait quietly. James advises us to guard our mouths in two ways when we're trying to be patient and waiting. You know, throughout this study, James has talked about our mouth and our tongue a lot. And, and one of the times we've got to watch our mouth is when we're being pressured to be patient. And in verse 9... It says this, James says, Do not grumble against one another, brother, unless you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Don't, don't wallow in self-pity while you're waiting for God to do something. You know, it's hard to be quiet when we're frustrated and we're under pressure and we're irritated and we're not getting our way. And we tend to say things we shouldn't say. And often, often we don't mind waiting as long as we can complain about it. Just stand in line with a bunch of people at the store. Everybody's complaining. And they start complaining to each other and they feel better about it. You know, James says, while you're waiting, watch your mouth. Don't grumble. Don't get irritated. You know, when you get up in the morning, do you rise and shine or do you rise and whine? <laughs> when you come home at night and you feel dog tired, is it because you've growled all day and you've grumbled? We need to wait quietly. Another way we need to wait quietly, not only do we need to not grumble, but we, James says, don't swear. Look at verse 12. But above all, my brother, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes, your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. Let's be honest. Does waiting ever tempt you to swear? It does me. It's tempted me. Does it ever tempt you to swear when you're, when you're frustrated about something? And uh, You know, my wife uh, says that, she says this all the time. You know, my husband, Doug, has a lot of talents. But uh, being a handyman is not one of them. I am not mechanical. I barely know the difference between a Phillips and a flathead. You know, and I, just enough to be dangerous. But, you know, when you own a home, there's times you've got to kind of be a handyman. Or you're going to spend a bunch of money hiring somebody. And if you are a handyman, God bless you. I'd like the pastor discount sometime, okay? But uh, I, I remember about a year ago, we had our dryer. And I mean, there's nothing that tests my patience like having to deal with mechanical things. And our dryer went out. And somebody told me, said, well, it's, it's simple. It's your, it's your heating element. You can buy one online for 25, 30 bucks. Change it yourself. Save a couple hundred dollars. It's easy. And I'm like, easy for you. But I was like, I can do it. I can do this. And so I bought, I bought it. You got it on Amazon, two-day shipping, boom. Got, got the heating element. I'm like, I, I can do this. So I got my tools out. You know, and I, I, I took the dryer, the back, you know, I had to take the back off and to get in there. And I'm good at taking things apart. I'm real good at that. Except I, I got all these screws out. I got everything out. And I could not get the heating element out. And I realized there was this one little tiny screw about that big that was still holding the heating element in the very back of the dryer. And, and, and the only way I could reach it is I had to work through the, the vent, the hole. So I got my arm up in here trying to get one little screw. I didn't, I mean, you needed a, you couldn't get a regular screwdriver in there. So I had to go to my neighbor. I borrowed like 10 different tools from him. I got this little screwdriver about this big. And, and I, I was reaching. Now, don't laugh. I couldn't reach my arm <laughs> to the back of the screw. And, and, I, and I, I was trying. And I mean, I, I had one little screw to get out. To, and then I, was, I could get this thing fixed. And it took, I'm not kidding you. It took me like two hours. 
I was like, 10 minutes, I could, I got, oh, I got a quarter of a turn. And then my arm would cramp up and I have to wait. Shelly's walking by, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, it took every bit of patience that I had trying to change that thing. And I just want to tell you guys, you, you, you'll be pleased to know that your pastor did not cuss one time. Out loud. <laughs> I may be a pastor, but I'm human. I didn't swear. But, but really, the truth is, James is not talking here specifically about cussing, curse words, although that applies as well. What he's talking about is swearing an oath, taking an oath, being impatient and saying things like, I swear to God, because we're impatient. And I like how one version of the Bible says it. It's so clear. Let me just read this passage in another version of the Bible. And, and it's so clear. It says in James chapter 5, verse 12, don't add words like I swear to God to your own words. Don't show your impatience by concocting oaths to hurry up God. Just say yes or no. Just say what is true, and that way your language can't be used against you. Good advice. Lamentations 3.26 says, It is good to wait, how? Quietly for the salvation of the Lord. We need to wait expectantly. We need to wait quietly. And then finally, we need to wait confidently. How can I be patient? By waiting confidently. You know, Job never lost his confidence in God as he was waiting patiently. He never lost his confidence. Micah 7, 7 says this, As for me, I look to the Lord for help. I wait, how? Confidently for God to save me. And my God will certainly hear me. When the outlook is bad, we need to look up. We need to have hope. When we're, when we're trying to be patient with our problems, we've got to have hope. A good way to remember hope, H-O-P-E, is this. Holding on, praying expectantly. Good way to remember the word hope. Confidently. So how do you know if you're waiting confidently? Here's how you know. You're able to sit still. You don't try to take matters in your own hands. You don't try to get ahead of God. You wait quietly. You sit still. Psalm 37, 7 says, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Wait patiently for him to act. So as we wrap this up this morning, such a practical message, I know for me and I believe for a lot of us, especially if you're going through a difficulty right now that's testing your patience. Where, where, where do you need to develop patience today in your life? Maybe you've got an uncontrollable circumstance. It's out of your control. Maybe it's in your finances or your health or your job or, or, or your house. And, and you just got to be patient. You've got to trust God. And maybe you need to be patient this morning because you've got an unchangeable person in your life. Maybe it's a teenager. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's somebody you, you work with. You just can't tell them anything. They're unchangeable. Maybe it's a relative. That every time the family gets together and that relative is there, it's awkward, it's difficult, and it requires a lot of patience. And they're coming for Christmas. And their name is Uncle Eddie. We all have Uncle Eddies in our family. Unchangeable people that require a lot of patience. Maybe for you, you say, I got, a, I got an unexplainable problem in my life right now. I feel like Job's twin. I'm like, why, God, is this happening to me? I don't get it. I don't understand it. Why, God? Why? You know, at Christmas, we sing and talk about it being the most wonderful time of the year. And it can be. But for some people, it's the most difficult time of the year. 
when there's an unexplainable problem they're dealing with. So when life doesn't make sense, what, what do you do about your situation? You, you need to remember these three wonderful truths from God's word that James showed us today. You need to remember that God is in control. Look to him. Trust him. Nothing is beyond his power. You, his purpose in your life is bigger than any problem in your life. Second, you need to remember that God will reward patience. If not in this life, in the one to come. And you need to remember that God is working behind the scenes. Even when you can't see him, he is at work developing patience in every one of us. And I think we all have room for improvement. Amen? Let's pray together. That's about nice close. If you're here today and you would say, I needed this message today. God has spoken to me, me today. Pastor Doug, would you, would you pray for me that I would develop more patience in my life? Would you slip up your hand for prayer all across the auditorium? God bless you. My hand's up with you. Man, a lot of hands everywhere. Would you right now just pray this with me from your heart to God? Just say, Jesus, help me to wait expectantly for you. Help me to be more patient. Jesus, help me to wait quietly for you. Help me not to grumble and complain. Help me not to take out my frustration on other people that I care about. Jesus, help me to wait patiently. Help me to wait confidently, knowing you're in control and you're in charge and you're working behind the scenes. Help me not to worry. Help me to trust you. Lord, I just pray for all of us this morning that we'd be doers of your word, not just hearers, that we'd apply these truths in such a practical way and that you would develop patience in each and every one of us. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, three times in this passage, James reminded us, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. You say, well, why hasn't he come back yet? Well, 2 Peter 3.9 says one reason he hasn't returned is he's, he's waiting for some of you to put your faith and trust in him. He's been patient with you. And maybe today is the day that you finally say yes to Jesus, that you open your heart and life to him by faith. Let me just simply ask it this way. If Jesus came back today, would you be ready to meet him? Would you be ready? Do you know that you're saved? Do you know your sins are forgiven? Do you know that you have a home in heaven? If you're not 110% sure of that, I've got some great news this morning. You can make sure of that right now from your heart to God's, right where you said. I want to lead you in a prayer of faith. It's a prayer that you can pray from your heart to God's and invite Him into your life as Lord and Savior. And you can prepare for eternity and have a relationship with Jesus. He loved you enough to die for you. And you could just, from your heart to God's, pray this prayer after me. I'll help you with the words. It's not a magic prayer. These aren't magic words. But if you put belief and faith behind it, the Bible says whoever believes in the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. So if that's you this morning, would you pray this prayer with me right now? It goes like this. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for giving me eternal life. I accept you by faith today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. With heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around for just a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you just prayed that prayer of faith from your heart to God for the first time, I personally want to pray for you. And it is the greatest decision you just made, that you would ever make. 
And I want to pray you grow in your relationship with Jesus in the days ahead. Would you just slip up your hand real quick so I can see it and then put it down? Just put up. Thank you. God bless you. Anyone else? Yes, I prayed that prayer of faith today. I meant it. For the first time, I invited Jesus into my life. Anyone else? God bless you. Thank you. A couple of hands. Father, I pray for all those putting their faith and trust in you today. I pray their lives would never be the same. I pray they grow in their relationship with you. We thank you that you are a God who loves us, who sent your son to die for us. As we celebrate the Christmas season, let us remember what, what we're really celebrating. And we're remembering that you came to provide the greatest gift we could ever receive at Christmas or any other time of the year. The gift of eternal life and salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we thank you for that gift this morning. We thank you for those making that decision. And Lord, help us to develop patience in our life. Because the God who loves us is in control and we can trust you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate God's goodness and decisions for him this morning? Amen. If you made a, a decision for Christ this morning to accept him as Lord and Savior, please let us know about that on your connection card. You can drop that in the offering bucket as we receive our gifts in just a moment. If you're a first-time guest here at Orchard Church, thank you so much for joining us and being a part of our service today. We hope it's been a blessing to you. You've certainly blessed us with your presence. Um, if you filled out your guest connection card, please drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. We are not interested in your money today, first-time guests, but we are certainly interested in you. So we can send you a thank you card in the mail and a little free gift from our church. Let's stand. We have a lot to praise God for and celebrate. Let's respond and worship through song, worship through giving. God bless you guys for being here today.